Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So before we go into the second chapter, Ruth, and unpack all that we have just heard, and there's so much there that we can gain from this, I want to kind of back up a little bit and kind of review the first chapter in case some of y'all were here last Sunday. The first chapter of Ruth basically starts us out. We're introduced to Naomi and her husband and her two sons who are in um, Bethlehem. And they have to leave Bethlehem due to a famine, and they travel to the country of Moab. Now, for those of you who know your Old Testament, Moab has been in the Old Testament. and has a checkered past with the Israelites of Bethlehem. Um, they are known to be from the um, Lot and his family and the ancestral relationships they've had. So the Israelites try to keep their distance from them. But at this time, there is at least some awkward peace enough for um, Naomi to travel to that country to where she then takes root there for a little while. While living in the country, um, her husband passed away and leaving her with her sons, which in that time period, the, the wife is typically is taken care of by the males in the family. And so she had her two sons, and her two sons married um, Moabite women, Ruth and Orpah, and there they lived for 10 years in Moab. But after 10 years, none of her sons or daughters-in-law had any other children to really carry on the family name, per se. And even more tragedy hits. Her two sons, they die while she's in Moab, forcing her to leave that place she's lived to go back to Bethlehem just to try to make it. And so she tells her daughter-in-laws that are now widowed and say, stay in Moab, remarry, go back to your fathers and your mothers. They'll take care of you. Go back to your gods here. You'll be fine. And after much discussion, Orpah, one of her daughter-in-laws, said, okay, I'll stay in Moab. But the other one, Ruth, wouldn't have it any other way. She wanted to travel with Naomi back to Bethlehem, which was a big move for Ruth. Shows her faithfulness to her mother-in-law. She's leaving Moab where she's from to go to Bethlehem, which is a foreign place for her. And has no support system other than Naomi, which Naomi didn't have much of a support system there either. So there they go in the first chapter back home to Bethlehem where Naomi is from. And they are greeted. And people say, here's Naomi. Here she is. She's back. She's with her daughter-in-law, Ruth. And Naomi said, I'm not the same person. I'm bitter now. God has punished me. My husband has passed away. My sons are dead. I have no children. I am punished by God. And I am bitter. And that's kind of where we're left at the end of the first chapter. Not real, you know, not a lot of sunshine and rainbows right now. Okay? And then we come into where we are today. In the second chapter of Ruth. And I'm going to read to you the first uh, four verses. And kind of unpack some of that with y'all. All right, it says here, Now Naomi had a kinsman on her husband's side, a prominent rich man of the family of Elimach, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth and the Moabites said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain behind someone in whose sight I may find favor. So she said to her, Go, my daughter. And so she went. She came and gleaned in the field behind the reapers. And as it happened, she came to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who is part of the family of Elimach. Now, right here, we are introduced to a new character in the story, Boaz. Okay? 
And as we know it as the audience, and as the Old Testament audience knew, that Boaz is part of the male side of Naomi's family, on her husband's side. So knowing a little bit about Old Testament, there is the possibility that Boaz can be called what they called a uh, kinsman redeemer. That Boaz can actually, by their laws, take care of Naomi and Ruth. And even marry Naomi or Ruth. That's how they usually did that. And the property would stay within the family and the family name would continue. So we as the audience have this little insight right here. And then we see just how tough it is for Ruth and Naomi. Old Testament laws told the Israelites that in the harvest of barley and grain, that when you're harvesting your field, make sure that you don't harvest all the way to the end of your property. That you leave some of it there. And that you allow the, those in poverty and those in need to come behind your workers and gather what's left over. That's your way of giving back. And as, you, as we know, Boaz does that. And so when Naomi sent Ruth out to gather food, they were hoping that she could maybe gather just a day or two's worth of food. And so as Naomi sent Ruth out and Ruth was out in the field gathering, she just happened by chance to end up in Boaz's field, who we know could be a possible kinsman redeemer for her and Naomi. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like some things in life just happen for a reason. And sometimes we just don't know that reason until later. We see here that God is at work, even in the tough times for Ruth and her mother-in-law. Ruth doesn't know What could happen? She doesn't know what type of blessing it is to happen to be on Boaz's field and what that might could mean for her, what the story may play out. We know it as the audience, but she doesn't know it yet. And so even in our own lives, how you know, today for us, when we're going through trials, when we're going through challenges, there's times in our lives that we sometimes feel like, where is God? Where is he guiding us here? We, we seem lost. But I like it what Paul says in Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 28. This is what he says. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. You know, God is going to provide for you in some way. He is going to take something that is bad in your life and turning it into something good. It just may take us a little time to figure out how that's going to play out. I know you might think pastors just have it all figured out. That because we're up here in a black robe that everything goes just right for us. That we get all the green lights. We don't have to wait in line for anything. And I hate to tell you, it happens to the best of us. I live probably two miles from the church. And I will hit every red light here possible. It's just going to happen, you know. And I remember living in Madison in the early 90s when we had just a couple stoplights. Now I have like four or five just to get here, and I'm going to hit every one of them. Or I'm going to pick the—to me, when I check out at a store, it's kind of a game. I scope out all, like, the checkout lines, and I'm like, which one's moving faster? Which one's got this or that? I'm Because re- I'm a time guy, and I'll try to get in there, and I get mad at myself when I pick the slow line. That's just me, you know. It never really works out in our favor sometimes. But even on a a more serious note, pastors go through, just like everybody else, trials in their lives that shake them to their core. Um, Three years ago, I'll share this with you. I I didn't know, honestly, where God was leading me, um, if it was what good could come out of what I was experiencing three years ago. 
one of my middle, uh, my middle child, my second child, was having problems uh, hearing, we thought. And we thought that affected his speech. So at age two, we noticed that there were some delays that we didn't experience with our first child. And so we took him to the doctors, and we you know, got his hearing tested, and we put tubes in his ears, and did everything that, that the normal, typical family would do. But he still just wasn't developing like his peers and like his older brother did, and we knew something was up. And so it was a journey. It took many doctor's visits and, and discussions, you know, hard discussions with pediatricians to get our son to where he needed to be and for us to figure out what is going on with him. And then three years ago, we finally got the diagnosis that our son was on the autism spectrum. And at that moment, I was not happy with God. I didn't know how that was something good. You know, that basically, in my mind, crushed all the plans that I ever had for him and my family. This is going to impact not just me, but my other children. And it was hard. And I just didn't know what God was doing with that. I was just kind of lost. But three years later, I can tell you that Romans 8.28 is so true. That there's been countless blessings that we've experienced along our journey with my son and his disability that I would not give away for the world. We have met wonderful families who are struggling with the same things that we have, past families, and that the children are older and some that are going through right now. Um, our church has been wonderful. Those around us, friends have been wonderful. And I wouldn't trade in that experience for anything. But three years ago, I wouldn't have told you that. Three years ago, I'd be like, where's God in this? But now I see where he was. And I just needed to remain faithful and walk through that and know that he's by my side. And three years later, I'm, uh, everything's good in that department. And so with Ruth... Same thing. She's being faithful to her mother-in-law. She is going out to the fields knowing that there'll be something left behind for her. But little did she know that God was leading her to the field of Boaz. Then we continue to see how God provides for Naomi and Ruth in verses 4 through 9. Just then Boaz came from Bethlehem and he said to the reapers, Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servants who was in charge of the reapers, To whom does this young woman belong? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the Moabite who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the reapers. So she came and she has been on her feet from early this morning until now without resting even for a moment. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Keep your eyes on the field that is being reaped and follow behind them. I have ordered the young men not to bother you, and if you get thirsty, go drink from the vessels from what the young men have drawn. You see here the Holy Spirit, what it's telling us is that not only Boaz is being the redeemer for Ruth and Naomi, we see that working in that story, but Boaz re- represents an, another person in our lives. See, we're, we're seeing the gospel in the New Testament play out right here in Ruth. The Old Testament audience is getting a preview of the good news to come. Boaz represents our redeemer for humanity, Christ our King. And you see here that Boaz is instructing his servants to make sure that Ruth is able to get what she needs and that she is not bothered, that she is provided for. 
And in our lives, our Redeemer is always at work, whether we see it or not, in some way, shape, or form, providing for what we need as well. But as Boaz tells Ruth, Christ tells us as well. Boaz instructs Ruth to stay in this field, and you'll have what you need. And Christ tells us to stay in his field, and we will have what he needs. But we're human. We tend to wander, right? We tend to stray a little bit. And if we do that and take note, we'll notice that there's that missing harmony in our life. You know, as Christians, and I guess for myself, when things are going well, I might get a little lazy in my faith. I might read my Bible the next day. Or I might pray tomorrow. Or I might go to church next week and not worry about this week. Or that mission trip. I've always got next year to go on that mission trip. Or do that or do this or help out here or help out there. Because things are going good. You know, we're all right. We're good. It's okay if we miss out on a few things. But then before we know it, we're in a different field. We somehow have wandered into a field that is comfortable to us. And then something happens in our life, something stressful. It can be anything, you know, death in the family, change in jobs, change in economic status or whatever it is. And then we will then turn immediately to the field we're in to find the nourishment and things. But it's all just surface. It's not going to provide for what you need long term. You might turn to your field where you have plenty of money. You might try to pay your way out of the problem, buy your way out of the problem. might work a little bit, but long term is not going to be what you need. Or you might turn to your status and lean on that, saying, that might get me out of this stressful moment. That'll cover the fix for now, but that doesn't last forever. You might turn to an addiction, have that soothe the pain for a while until things get better. But as we know, that never plays out well. Things of this earth come and go. They're not around forever. So when you put all your interests and all your resources into things of this world, there's nothing but let down. That's going to happen, guaranteed. But if we find our way back to the field that, that God told us to stay in, we'll find nourishment. It may not be a ton of money. It may not be a new job. It may not be this or that. But long term, it will always be there for all eternity. His love, grace, and mercy. His protection. He's there watching out after you. And as Boaz is here in the field with Ruth, so is Christ our Lord with us in the fields that we're in today. Now there is something here in this, in this Bible passage from Ruth that stands out to me in addition to the field, staying in the field. It is verse 12. It's when Boaz tells Ruth, May the Lord reward you for your deeds, and may you have a full reward from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. The call to prayer this morning, as you notice, may have been kind of unfamiliar to you, the eagle song. And Tim told me that we hadn't done that one, but I was like, please, can we do that one? I was looking for a hymn or something that has wings and eagle's wings in it. Because for me... I love that part of the Old Testament that talks about, as people of God, that we can come to him in refuge and he'll cover us with his wings like the eagle does to his babies. And in that refuge, we can find comfort. And here, Boaz is reminding Ruth that you have been faithful 
And because you are faithful and the refuge that you seek, God is going to take care of you. Every night, uh, my wife and I, we read Psalm 91 to our children as part of our prayers. And in there, it talks about in Psalm 91 that how he will cover you with feathers and shelter you with his wings. I just love that. That we can find refuge in God when we stray and go to the other fields and things get tough in life. That we can go to him and he'll cover us with his wings. Now, as we get to the end of the second chapter of Ruth, and to verse 18, it says, And she picked it up and came into the town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gleaned. Then she took out and gave her what was left over after she had said herself that she'd been satisfied. Her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today, and where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The name of the man with whom I work today is Boaz. You see, that's the moment right there where Naomi and Ruth make the connection of Boaz and what that could mean for them. We knew it all along leading up to this point that he is the kinsman redeemer that could possibly save Naomi and Ruth at that time. That's kind of like the moment in our lives where we realize who our true Redeemer is and what that means for us and how that can change our lives as well. And so what do we do with all of this? There's so much in this second chapter of Ruth that we can get and we can learn from. It starts out where it's, it's, a, it's bad news for Naomi and Ruth. But then we're introduced to Boaz and then we learn about staying in the field and being provided for and seeking refuge and how you're going to faithfulness it means generosity we learn all of this and so what do we do with that in this story right here we can see God and Christ talking to us wherever we are what we need to do is we need to find that way to stay connected to his field to live into his will for our life We need to seek refuge in him and not turn to other things. Because while we are in his field seeking refuge and being provided for, that then equips us to go out and share the good news to those around us. See, we're supposed to model Christ in our lives. And so if God is going to take care of us as Christians... If he is going to provide for us and work good in our trials and give us the ability to seek refuge in him, then we ought to be able to do that to those around us. And by doing that, it's by sharing the good news. We don't need to sit in God's field and feel safe and secure and warm and cozy and then not do anything. That misses the entire point. There are others out there that need to know the good news, that need to know Christ, that need to know the church loves them and that there's a God that just doesn't sit up in heaven and watch you suffer. That he is trying to find ways in your circumstance to make something good of that if you can just turn to him. And it's hard sometimes. And sometimes we don't want to. But it's okay that we stay faithful It's okay to tell others that we struggle with that as well, but also to let them know what good has come out of our lives from that. So, next week, next month, and throughout the years, I challenge you to be faithful, like how Ruth has been faithful to her mother-in-law. And even in those moments where you don't feel God working good in your life, 
Just give it some time. He's there. Just stay in the field and seek refuge in him and share the good news. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are just so thankful that you are involved in our lives, even in moments where we just don't feel like you are. We're just thankful that you're working hard to provide, that we can seek refuge in you, and that you're a God that just loves his people. So Lord, just forgive us for where we fall short and give us the strength to continue to share the good news. It is in your name that we pray. Amen.